six seconds to go. Mooney up the floor, three on the left wing. That is no good. Rebound pulled down by DeAndre Hunter, and they're going to dribble it out from ruin to redemption. The Virginia Cavaliers are the 2019 NCAA National Champions. 85-77, Virginia wins its first men's basketball championship. Welcome, everyone. To the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, April the 10th. Um, I'm lucky that I know in in what city I'm in or where I'm supposed to be. I'm lucky that I made this recording on time. It's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy month. Um and you are no doubt expecting us. You didn't need to read the description to see what you're what you're getting today um, from this crew. Virginia wins a national championship, as you just heard the call from Westwood One um, from Minneapolis Monday night. Uh, in arguably, I mean, I, I know I wrote a whole column and talked about you know this uh, amazing experience that I had and such and such and such. No, nope, Monday night was it. Um, just an incredible, just an incredible time. And we're going to talk about it. I mean, there's. A, <laughs> It feels like there's plenty to discuss. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm a fan of the reigning national champions men's basketball team. Uh, I'm pretty good, Brad. Sitting in exactly where I was when it happened. I know you and Justin can't say that right now, but at least I got that going for me, which is nice. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And the aforementioned staff writer Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also on the show. How are you doing, buddy? A little tired. Uh, kind of don't know where I am or what day it is, but that's okay because uh, we got a podcast to do, and let's get into some good topics. At, <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I, I've been thinking about this podcast for oh gosh, how how long have we done this now? <laughs> I've been thinking about this podcast for years, right? The the time Seven that we years. finally get to sit around and talk about a national championship, you know, and we've talked about, um, you know, we've talked about uh, ACC titles and and we've talked about NCAA tournament appearances and plenty of losses. I don't, I don't, I still, I, I'm still struggling to sort of put it all in context. Um, I, I'm not really sure how to accurately describe. Um, the mo- the monumentalness of it the um, you know what I, mean? I, I don't I, I mean even now just talk even talking about what I'm trying to to str- what I'm struggling to talk about sounds weird but it, it it dawned on me I was I was on the plane in Minneapolis getting ready to leave and a gentleman in front of me had a, a newspaper and there's a picture of Tony Bennett on a on a ladder with the net and I I, I tweeted it out just because it I mean it 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 doesn't seem. It still seems like there's another game. Right? It still seems like you know any day now, we're gonna find out. You know whether we got approved for credentials to go cover whatever the next site is. And for me, not only was it the culmination of something, but it it also represents this um, watershed moment, man. I just I don't know what happens next, and it it it's still really hard for me to to imagine that Virginia actually did this. Um, how how have you guys dealt with the past couple of days? We'll get to the game and and all that in a second. But how have you dealt with the the time the time that you have existed since that final horn? How have you dealt with it, Dave? Uh, it's bizarre, man. Like, I, I'm trying. There's no words for the way I feel. Like the, at this moment, I mean, there was obviously complete jubilation after the game, and then. The fact that it's a Monday night and you've got to like function tomorrow in my, <laughs> at least I did. Um, and just the craziness of it, man. Like, I don't even know how to describe the joy I have from it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm older than you guys, obviously. We've talked about that many times before. But, you know, Virginia's gotten close and had some big moments. Um, and we've always talked about, you know, making runs to the Final Four, to the national title. And, you know, whole, my whole life, you know, my, my, at least my <laughs> formative life, you know, since, since I was 10 and up, Virginia's gotten close, but the rug, you know, something's happened, whether it's Corey Alexander getting injured or running into a hot shooting Michigan team in 89, um, or the, um, 
you know, obviously the Syracuse game a few years ago. And then obviously, and then again, last year, it's just been so close, but so far away. And I remember doing, you know, just doing the podcast last week about making the final four. Like I, I wanted to win it, but it just felt, you know, it still felt like something that maybe I don't want to say we don't deserve to like get it or, but it, it seemed like too much of an ask, right? Cause you've got 40 plus years in my, my case of never seeing you get to that title. And you, you've got all the players that have come through for this program over the years from, you know, you couldn't run it with the guy who won the player of the year three times. You never won the championship. So will you ever win it? And then you see, you see the Dukes and the Carolinas and the Kansas and Kentuckys, you know, win it year after year. And occasionally an NC state would pop in or a random team would get there. Um, but it meant you had to be that lucky team that year, right? Like the thought of building a program that could do it was out of, out of my mind. And now it's here. And as joyful as I am and thankful as I am, I don't know how to live in that world. And it's, it's awkward. You know, I've seen more Virginia shirts in the past 48 hours than I've seen in years. Um, I, I was at my daughter's County science fair last night and I think a conservative estimate was 25% of the people in the crowd were wearing Virginia shirts, you know, the night after the, the day after the event. And that's a big deal. You know, um, those fans existed. They just weren't loud and proud in everyday life. And they were, and it was good to see. And it was a lot of Wahoo was cause I was wearing mine too. Um, it's just been surreal, man. And I hope this off season never ends. Yeah, um, he. It's it's hard to sum up, really. I mean, part of the the processing part, I guess, I haven't really done because, you know, we, me and Brad were talking about this the other night, but you get so caught up in the logistics of everything that we were doing that sometimes the whole just like taking it in part you lose when you cover the team. So I mean, like the game ends, and I'm like, all right, how are we gonna do the post game? You know, how are we gonna? What are we gonna write? Like, who do we need to talk to? How how long is this gonna take? When is my flight? <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Dave said, I, I never thought that this was a realistic goal. Uh, we talked about it last week um, growing up, and then things kind of changed. Obviously, they, they started winning year in and year out. Um, a huge culture shift, obviously, within the program. I mean, no, no team had won their first national championship in school history since Florida did it in 2006. And the last team that had just won is Syracuse um, in 2003. So it doesn't happen very often. And, you know, it's hard to break through. And then the fact that it was Texas Tech in the end, I mean, that's never really how I envisioned it, you know, if they were going to do it. But two programs that are, you know, right right on the precipice of their first title, which was awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the fans might not have thought that it could happen or, you know, that, you know, maybe things change over time with the fans. But, you know, it – the belief was always there for the players, you know, that you forget sometimes they dream about playing in those games, just like fans dream about their team winning those games. Right. And, you know, they, Ty summed it up perfectly after the game, the UMBC stuff doesn't really matter. This is something that they've chased for their entire lives. I mean, that they dreamed about winning as a kid um, playing on a playground, like the fact that the, it was like part of a redemption and all that. I mean, that's a great narrative and everything, but they've almost what they've accomplished sort of transcends all that other stuff. And, you know, just the, the buzzer, the horn goes off and it's over. Right. I mean, it's like, you did it. There's you're, you're still playing, you're still standing. Um, that was pretty surreal to see and the post game celebration. And then, you know, you're on one shining moment at the end of it, which, you know, the few teams have ever gotten to say that. And yeah, it was, it was definitely surreal. And, and, um, it, it felt at sometimes like a normal game, you know, it's just a really close competitive game. And then, you know, it, it, when it, when it was over, it was almost like, this doesn't seem like it's really happening. Um, and the fact that, I mean, I'm not trying to brag about being there or anything, but that kind of changes the context for me because it was cool to just be in the building, um, on Saturday. Right. I mean, having, seeing it all in person, it, it made it a little bit more surreal. I think like it didn't really sink in. Um, I haven't watched the Monday game on television yet. I have it recorded, but um, I think that'll kind of give me like a different perspective on things. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, it's like watching it on TV is going to give me this like passport to 
um, a different time, right? Like it's it, it 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 happened in front of me, right? And I still can't process it. But when I hear, you know, Jim Nance on the call, when I hear the stuff that announcers say that drive me crazy, um, I mean, I've thought about doing a rewatch of it next week. But I, I'm, I, it's not that I'm afraid to. It's that I, I don't know how to. I mean, I, I'm fully aware of like the technological, like you hit the button and you press play. Um, but like, there's a there's a reality to this that just feels too intense and and I don't know if anybody who has not been a fan of a program like Virginia's would understand that like Virginia is historically you know the rule to be right anything that could go wrong will go wrong that's the way that being a Wahoo was until Monday night and I'm not look. I'm I, I understand that Virginia has won now won 26 national championships as a as an athletic department. And I don't mean this as any shade to any of the other programs, any other sports that won national championships along the way. I I promise I'm not trying to diminish your accomplishments or those accomplishments. And certainly, um, they were plentiful. I mean, 26 is you know a pretty big number. It's a lot bigger than zero, um, for those folks with a trophy case that doesn't have anything in it. Um, but. This is just different, man. And for fans who grew up, who who either you know grew up UVA fans or went to UVA or if were just fans or however it worked out, over the years you just got kicked in the gut time and time and time again. And to watch that team win that championship and the the confetti's going crazy and they're these huge you know ribbons and I mean there's all this stuff and you're just like what like no, like I felt like for a good twenty four hours. It wasn't that I was asleep. It was that I was being drugged, right? It was like, like I was having just the weirdest reality. And then I woke up, and it was still there. And then I woke up again today. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Virginia, you know, is, is, is this sort of national champion, you know? Finding out my dad spent I – don't, I don't want to tell you the obscene amount of money he spent on – championship gear like and hearing and and like hearing that people were like fighting at short pump to get into the dick sporting goods to buy the stuff you know like it's not that it just seems surreal it is you know what i mean and like as virginia fans people who've followed this program who've lived and died for these teams the idea that one of them won a national championship like there's a whole like idea about you know act like you've been there before dude i ain't been here before and I don't, I don't have any way to take what I've seen this week and put it in any kind of context. Every time I try to write something, I mean, I don't how, I don't know how I got that column the other day. I don't know how it happened. Like it, I saw it in my mind and it just kind of sat there. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I know what it says because I'm, I am still at a point, and I'm sure you guys are too, where it's just, it is a thing that happened, but it is not a thing that I, my brain has figured out a way to process yet. And I don't know, I don't know how long it'll happen. Maybe it'll be next week when I decide to watch the game or whenever that is. I don't know. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah. I don't know that you can process it, man. Like I don't want to sound as if, you know, being a Virginia fan meant you expected to lose everything. Um, for me, if you'd have told me going into this tournament, you'd make the final four in Texas tech and win the national championship. I'd be like, Oh, I'll take that. Right. And, and I wouldn't be shocked that Texas tech won it when, in reality, they pretty much have the as bad of a history as UVA does when it comes to winning the big thing. But for some reason, it's almost like we're, we're on a whole. I don't know if it's because of last year or because of forty plus years of never winning the big thing, you know, the big championship in the major sports. And you're right, like you know, the baseball national championship, like. That I got emotional watching that, and I've watched just about every Virginia national championship game in, you know, in lacrosse and and soccer. Not big sports for me, but when they're in the playoffs, I watch. Um, I'm a Virginia fan, but to see the basketball team there, you know, a revenue sport and in a world dominated, you know, a year that began with FBI stuff and, you know, and and let's not forget complaints about Tony not being able to recruit five stars wasn't that long ago, and we found out like there's a reason. A lot of programs aren't getting some of these high five stars. And that's kind of the backdrop the season sets to started to. And here we are with with a team that, without a doubt, is the worst loss in NCAA tournament history last year. Coming back and, and winning it. Like, Final Four has been redemption. 
but winning the thing, you know, it's, it's laughable. And I know it's been said by many people, but it's true. Like if you were writing this movie, it would be a little bit too unbelievable. It, and I hope it becomes a movie. I hope it becomes at least a documentary, but because you know, the fans great. We, we enjoy this. It's going to be something we remember for our lifetime, but the players, the fact that 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids in this day and day and time when you cannot avoid hot takes and media were able to overcome what happened to them last year while still being student athletes at one of the hardest universities in the country, go through the toughest basketball conference in the country and win six games three in miraculous fashion and almost all of them close while shutting out that noise, staying true to themselves and kind of digging in is absolutely mind boggling to me. And if it were any other program that, that did it, I would, I would applaud them. Like they were my own, my own team. And this is my own team. And I, I want to see them lifted and I want to see them getting all the accolades they are. You know, it's you know last year after that game, I couldn't turn off every form of communication fast enough. I didn't want, I wanted to be exempt, you know, exempt from the world for a few days, please. This year I find myself like not able to sleep because especially after the game and the next morning, I slept like two hours. And as soon as I, my eyes woke up, I was exhausted, but I had to get the phone out and see what, see what else was out there. Right. And it's been, it's been like that since it ended. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to keep driveling on, but you know, it's, the weird, I didn't, you know, we, we got, you guys know, I tried to get out there. I just couldn't make it work. Um, I had a ticket for the championship game. I just couldn't find a, a flight that made sense with, with life back here. So instead I got to watch it at home with Riley, who my, my nine-year-old, you know, who I mentioned last time was the same age I was the last time they were in the final four. And she was as into that game. Like she watches games occasionally with me, but normally they're late at night. Mommy let her stay up for this one. And having her with me at the end of the game, she was devastated when, um, when Texas Tech took the lead late. So, and I was hurt too, but my daughter was here, so I couldn't be yelling and like, oh man, I can't believe they got this close. So I had to give her the, it's okay, we need to be thankful for, look how, it's a miracle they got here with the last couple of games. So don't be disappointed. Like, this is great for them. They've had a great year. They made up. Win or lose, it's a great thing. And then literally as soon as we finish that conversation, they tie the game and they end up winning. And seeing her face, I have a picture of her saved on my phone as she's sitting on the phone on the couch, like in such jubilation at nine years old. Like she'll be a Virginia fan. She, I was going to make sure she was, but I guarantee you she'll be a Virginia fan the rest of her life. And for me, like that's when I realized, hey, maybe not being in Minneapolis wasn't too bad. Um, and I'm sure – hundreds of thousands of Virginia fans across the country had the same stuff at home with their families. And yeah, I, I would do anything to be able to go back and just live that moment again. Um, and I, I keep trying. <laughs> it's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the UMBC thing, like whether they lost again in the first round this year or they did what they actually ended up doing, like the way they handled that was, um, it's it's hard to put into words like how well they handled it for like how much criticism they had to face and also like you said I mean the fact that you can't really like tune it out um, you can try um, but I mean it's it's it, it it's very impressive the way that they like you know just rolled with it and I mean even in Kyle's case kind of leaning into it almost right. Um, and they didn't let it get them down. Like they, they had to go out and live their lives. And then, and like you said, go back to school and then play this season out. And, um, you know, luckily things worked out the way they did. And, um, and here they are. I don't think that, uh, like the last two seasons, I don't think that losing the UMBC was a referendum on, on the style. And I don't necessarily think that this year confirms that it's like the only way to win. Cause that's not true either. Um, but I mean, you realize like how hard it is to win a game in the tournament, much less six. And the fact that they were able to do it and, and in the moments, like it would have been so easy for them to just hang their heads against Gardner Webb or against um, even Oregon at times or Purdue. I mean, Carson Edwards couldn't miss a shot and, and they kept fighting through it and 
persevering. And then the Auburn game, you know, obviously Auburn went on a big run there, but they just they, they weren't they weren't ready to go home. Like they didn't they didn't accept defeat, right? They 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 refused to do that. Um, and all the while not losing their cool, um, being able to, you know, continue playing. And honestly, I wrote something like this today, but sometimes it comes down to the breaks you get or don't get. And the, the part that decides whether or not you get to win at all is the process part. And I think that's always been there like the last few years, but you just don't always get the breaks. And this year they, they got them, um, and, you know, the, the the idea I always had, and I've said it on this podcast more than once, if you continue to do things the right way, and I don't necessarily mean like the not cheating way. I mean, like, you know, if you if you put the work in, if you get the right kids in the program, if you, um, you know, don't relentless, you know, like studying your opponents and um, just trying to find new ways to win and, and, you know, like practicing as hard as they do on the defensive end when no other team will, like they just won't spend the time on it. Um, like if you continue to do those things and keep knocking, eventually you'll break the door down and they, they broke it down this year. It was their time. Yeah. I, um, I want to talk a little bit more. I I mean, I think we have to lean into the emotion of it because to not do it is, is inauthentic, but I do want to talk a little bit about the game and the, the absolute bonkers way Virginia won this thing. Um, well, we had, oh, I guess we did talk about the Auburn game, didn't we? I was going to say. Like, yeah, we, we've talked weekend. a little bit about it. Um, I, I think, though, I keep thinking about, like, le- like legacy, right? And it meant it meant so much to me as somebody who, who knew the kids when they were kids and before they became Cavaliers and before they went on to – um, you know, play professionally wherever to see Joe Harris and Justin Anderson and Devin Hall and all these guys around the program come to this. And there was this moment where the team is is facing the one board and Tony Bennett, I, I tweeted a picture of it out where Tony is, is, is leaned up and he's just taking it all in, man. But on the other side behind them are the, the former guys and they're watching it on another screen. And I was just really struck by the dichotomy of like, not only did these guys come, but even in this moment, like they were connected in, in, in maybe their teams didn't win this, but they, they absolutely were a part of it. And I was at, it was so weird. Like, so the way the NCAA does this is a little different than the ACC does the ACC. If you have a media pass, when the, when the clock hits zero, you can come out. There's just a certain area that they'll put some, some, some ribbon up or some, some rope or whatever, and you're not allowed to cross it. The NCAA doesn't let you out there until the, the celebration is done, right? And so by a celebration, what I mean is they do the thing on the podium with Jim Nance, hand the trophy, you know, whatever, and then you're allowed to come out there once they start to, uh, to put the ladder up and get to the net. Um, I just happened to be walking around the court, and I, and, I, and I happened to just be standing in the middle of what was like player – traffic control right where former player and current player would you know meet and hug and you know joe harris is talking to kyle guy and you know justin's talking to mommy diakite and just hearing that the pride in their voices to me it really underscores just like not just the joy that came in the morning but also to the the exhilaration that dave's talking about like these kids worked their tails off and they they left Charlottesville and didn't have that crowning achievement, you know, to speak to, but they were still part of the one that came eventually. And to watch the guys who were in that UMBC game lose the way they did, come back this year, you know, not just lean into it to Ferber's point, but I mean, embrace it, make it a part of their story. They really never got rankled at, you know, having to answer so many questions about it. I, I'm still, I still have no idea how that happened because I mean, I was tired of hearing about it um, and I wasn't, you know, involved, but just seeing, just seeing the joy on all of their faces, and and then the way that it it kind of reverberated through. It's not just that like it puts all these, you know, narratives and hot takes to bed, or or it, or it validates Tony and 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 his style, and 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 maybe speaks to what could be for them down the road and recruiting and things like that. But there's a there's just a sense of it's almost like relief um, is the best way I can describe it. You know, it doesn't seem, like I said, it doesn't seem real to me that Virginia won a national championship a couple days ago. 
but it feels there's a relief man like i said i still there's still part of me like like Ferber was talking about logistics like i keep thinking there's another game we got to get ready and you know get get to wherever that is but there is a relief and for years and years and years virginia fans have had to put up with constant jabs constant you know for for months and months and months at the end of a season it was somebody talking some smack to you some person that you haven't heard from in months showed up on your Facebook wall, right? Some some kid at school is giving you mess, right? So who who doesn't even like basketball, but you know what? They know they can kick you a little bit. You know, you can't do that today. You can't do that for the next few months. It doesn't matter what happens, you know? And it, and like a national championship is a is a, it's a debate ender. You know? Like you can you can you can call them slow, you can call them this and that, but you're also going to call them champions too. Like there's no way to erase that and I don't know like that that sense of quiet it's almost that's i think that's the thing like when i think about virginia beating virginia tech in football that's the thing i think most people seek out the most it's just the quiet you know what it, it's the exhilaration and the joy but also knowing you know what you can't say a word you know what i mean like a national championship yeah. is like i said it is the it is the debate ender there is nothing else that's what it is yeah i mean i think what ty said to pat 40 after the game was pretty much all you needed to know right like <laughs> They hear the stuff. They just choose to tune it out or, or be mature about it. Like, but I mean, that's that's a perfect. I know he was joking with him. I mean, it wasn't like he was trying to like you know really dunk on him. But um, you know, it's but it's just more yeah, evidence for people that for people everything. Yeah, yeah, for people that haven't heard. I mean, he basically what he did was he went up to him and was like, "I guess you're gonna have to write something else now," because yeah, he completely destroyed them last year after the season. And that's the thing is, it's just the 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 hot takes of like this doesn't work and, and like. I wrote a little bit about this today. Like we saw it with our own eyes. Like we know that this works. Like anybody with a brain knows that the ACC game in game out is prepares you for the postseason. It's they don't play in America East like UMBC does where you don't know if you're going to be tested, you know, enough to play. like the average game is against a sub 200 Ken Palm team. Like then you're going to run into even like in Oklahoma who's like, you know, in the fifties or whatever. Um, and you're going to have to really up your game. Like UVA plays the top 25 teams, you know, Ken Palm every year in the, in the ACC. So, I mean, they were ready for this, like, and the game is played the same. The, the rules aren't different, right? The, the emotion and the, the urgency is, but I mean, UVA plays with urgency and emotion all the time. So like, we knew they could do this. It was just, yeah. it was just one of those things where it was like, they had to go out and do it. So everybody would shut up. And I think the thing that we all probably know but haven't really talked about is they stayed healthy all year. Right. You know? And oh, if you look like back said, at they caught the breaks this year. Yeah. I mean, they really did. None you know, health was great. If you look back at the at the good final, you know, good postseason runs Tony's had, it's when he's had a healthy roster for the most part. Um, but they stayed healthy and then Tony said it. You know, I can't remember what interview it was after the game. He probably said it multiple times because I've watched everything out there. But um, he mentioned how the loss last year made them better coaches. And he's right because, you know, they did stuff this year they he didn't do last year. Um, you know, Mamadi started the last five games of the NCAA tournament. Jack started the first. Um, there were games where I think it was the what, Oklahoma game maybe where only – no, the Oregon game is like two bench minutes. <laughs> two guys came off the bench for like eight minutes. The starters played the rest of the game. Um, I was going through today just for preparation tonight because you know it's a good podcast when you have to prepare, right? Um, wait, you don't prepare at, every wait, week? Wait, you actually like look stuff up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's so I thought much we were just happens. supposed to be here at a certain yeah. time. <laughs> well, honestly, I didn't want to get too caught up in emotion because it's still kind of raw for me. Um, but just looking at each game in this tournament and what happened, and you know, I kept bringing up how versatile this roster is, and this tournament run showed it. Um, you know, the the Gardner Webb game, Kyle struggled for you know, he had eight points. Jerome had thirteen, but Dre and Mamadi combined for forty. Um, and then the Oklahoma game, Kyle got was zero for ten from three for four points, but Braxton Key came off the bench and scored nine and. The other guys got, you know, Mamadi scored 14. And, and then what was it, the Oregon game, uh, Kihei Clark Kihei, stepped up yeah. and scored 12. But the big three had a total of 
27 points in that game. Kihei got 12. Um, but the Purdue game, Kyle finally got it right. Ty got going. Ty had a remarkable four-game stretch to end it. But the first two games, it was kind of role players picking up. Um, so, yeah, Ty ended up leading the team in postseason scoring at 16.5 a game. Um, Which is crazy four- because he never really was like the signature player in any of his games, it felt like. No, he was the second best player at every game, though. Like, every game. Yeah, starting from the Oregon game, 13 points, six rebounds, six assists. Purdue, 24, five rebounds, nine assists. Auburn, 21 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Championship game, 16 points, six rebounds, eight assists. Yeah, his rebounding and assist numbers were insane in the tournament. And then, like, you know, and Braxton Key was huge this tournament. And, you know, he wasn't on this team last year. Right. Key Clark was. Key Clark, man, he's so good this tournament. He guarded, think of the different guys he guarded. Um, and he really did a good job on Mooney. Mooney. Mooney backed him down one time at the top of the key, but um, most of Mooney's threes that got him going were over Dre when he had switched off Culver. So it just, I don't know, not to get into the too deep into the games, but just the craziness of that whole run. And I think that's all about how t- tight this team was. Think, you know, you've got Kihei and, and Key, who did not go through the UMBC thing last night, uh, last year, sorry but became part of this team and were instrumental in helping the other, the other guys that were so big kind of get through. And then Jack Salt, who started just about every game of his career until the end of the season, didn't, you know, didn't, not, not, not that he would, but there are many kids who would, you know, be a bad teammate after they kind of lost their minutes and he wasn't. And Jay Huff didn't play a whole lot in this tournament and just a lot of things happened. Um, But I still think, you know, other than, personal moments one of my favorite moments was that post-game locker room thing like if, if you think tony's got one ill you know there's one bit of him that's fake then that moment should show you how real he was you know it's i, I kind of wonder what he would do if he win it all if he just go crazy because of we know he's competitive like there's so many stories about his competitiveness um, but he's also gracious and to be as gracious as he was in the in that moment that meant so much for him and everyone he's close to and all the fans and everything else. And I believe he had a lot of former players in that huddle in the post game. Um, just yeah, he brought them, he brought them in for that. Yeah, that was incredible. Like I probably watched, I, I guarantee you I've watched that 10 times. Um, just telling the guys, remember, please stay humble. Like, and, and that kind of stuff, like I share a lot of those videos on social media, even on the Facebook page where, you know, um, for some reason I still have, the amount of non-Virginia fans that love Tony Bennett it has grown so much. Um, and he's our coach, you know, wherever long that might be, he's our coach. And I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about the, let's talk a little bit about the game itself, um, which we, <laughs> we're like 20 some minutes into the podcast and there was all, there and was no a game. one cares. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was just one of the greatest national championships. I mean, seriously, after, yeah. after, you know, look, Today's point, and, and I thought you were going to steal steal this, and I'm going to go back to it. Think about all the little things that have to go right for UVA to to win a region final, a national semifinal, and a national final, where in all three games they trailed with 15 seconds or less each time. Think about all the little things. Now, I'm not saying that other teams didn't help them. You know, Klein misses a free throw. Harper misses a free throw for you know Texas Tech collapses on the drive instead of you know covering the the three point shot that you know could tie it but think about all the little things that have to happen for Virginia to win a title like that Momdy shot now it 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 just feels even more monumental if that's even possible like even in the moment and the days after it felt huge now it feels i mean it almost feels like divine intervention of some sort you know what i mean in this game not only do they get to overtime, but then I, is it 12 or 4? I don't have my, my, um, my game notes in front of me, which for the record, for, by the way, I just want to give a little anecdote about Framed. How, no, 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 no. Here's the problem. I have never, in any basketball game I've ever covered with my little system, where I keep, uh, it's, a, it's a legal pad, has a, has a column in the middle for the time, and on either side has two columns, one for the score and one for the team. So basically I'm able to go 
uh, to tell you, you know, how long that so-and-so has been leading, when the last lead was, or how long the run is, and I can tell you, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's the first time since I've ever done it where I screwed up somewhere mid-game, and I started writing the Virginia section, or excuse me, who, who was leading. I just had Texas Tech leading, like, most of the game, even though they did not lead most of the game. I can't frame. I mean, I guess I could frame it because it would be. But like, if I tried to go, if I tried to use that and as any sort of guide, it's all it's gobbledygook. I've never done that before. You talk about jitters. Like these dudes are playing in front of seventy two thousand people. I could barely keep a legal pad straight, right? Um, but anyway, I think it, I, I don't know if it was twelve or fourteen free throws in a row that they hit. But I mean, they just kept. I mean, it was like it was like pressure just did not matter to these dudes, and that is. That might be the one in just of these three games, the one indelible memory to me is like they just never were rattled. A year after being completely just panicked and and freaked out and clearly out outside their their element, they did not grow weary. Like they just went to work. And I, as I wrote in that column, and they just pursued and pursued and pursued, and they didn't care about anything else. And this game. Like Texas Tech, coming into this game, Texas Tech was seen as the as the defense of all defenses, right? Like nobody can do what UVA did to them was basically put the worst offensive production against that. You know what I'm saying? Like it basically yeah, made their, that defense. Their defense is the highest rated defense in the history of Ken Palm. And Virginia gave it literally its worst rating of all season, right? Which is bananas. And Texas Tech, in fairness, gave UVA a hard time. Like, I mean, they made a lot of big plays. So it was like both teams kind of felt like rose to the challenge. I mean, here's a, here's, a, here's a fun stat. How many offensive rebounds in this game, fellas? 11. Right? How many? For UVA. Yeah. How, well, th- no, but that 11, that 11 counts team rebounds. Right? There were zero actual offensive rebounds pulled in by a Virginia player. There were two offensive rebounds actually pulled down by an actual Texas Tech player. Like, think about that. Like, that's nuts. Like, it, if, you, if you get into the minutia of this game, it's fascinating. Like, they both, were, they both were in the game 27 of something. Virginia 27 of 59. Texas Tech 27 of 63. What's the difference? Free throw shooting, obviously. Virginia 20 of 23, Texas Tech 13 of 15. Like, if you look at Texas Tech's numbers in this game, you, you have to, if you, didn't, if you didn't look at UVA, you're like, how did they lose? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Dave was talking about Jack Salt, right? So Jack Salt plays, like, no, he's basically getting no burn. They need him in a Purdue game. He comes in, he gives big minutes, right? Braxton Key has not been playing consistent minutes of any, you know, sort of heft. Right, he comes in here, plays twenty-eight minutes and twenty-seven seconds, pulls in ten boards by himself. Like, if 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 this game were, if you put any other teams in the jerseys, the, the talking heads wouldn't have cared. But the problem is, is that like, it was such a good game that like even the talking heads would be like, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, like what did what did Pete Thamel call it the a generation generationally unsexy game? I mean, it was one of the best basketball games I've ever watched. And how Virginia was the one that won it, I'll never know. But um, it just—it's fascinating to me to think about. You know, Virginia comes out, and um, you can tell that DeAndre Hunter on Culver was what Virginia wanted. And it didn't—it took Texas Tech a lot longer than I thought it would for them to try to start getting him off the ball, um, and then, or excuse me, to get you know get Hunter off of Culver when Culver had the ball. Um, and then once they did that, man, Texas Tech's offense woke up, and Virginia had to counter. And I thought Tony did a good job of. Of, of running different people at Mooney and running, um, you know, the Francis kid got a little loose at times, but I mean, it's, it's just across the board, the way that the big three played in this game, we talked about it, I think in the conversation, Justin and I recorded on, on, uh, on my birthday, um, that like at no point in this tournament had you seen Virginia play and thought that's their best game that, that they've put. That you, and this was, and Tom, this wasn't really like a full 40 minutes, but among the three, this was the best game they played. Yeah. I, I thought, thought I thought this was the best game they played easily because I thought that Texas Tech played really well. Like, I didn't think that it was like, like in the Auburn game, they gave up a 14 nothing run. On watch, on the rewatch, it was a lot. Auburn made a lot more big plays than I realized. It wasn't as open as I felt like it. Like, UVA didn't, like, completely collapse the way that I thought they did. 
Um, but Texas Tech, I mean, they kind of just chipped away. They got down by 10, but they, they didn't get it all back at once. They kind of just stayed in the game. And I thought they had a great game plan. They were swinging the ball around really well. Like They're trying to basically go across the pack line to the other side of the court. They had an excellent game plan. And I thought that UVA, like, putting Key in, as much, he played 28 minutes, um, and they needed all of them because – he had to guard, you know, Culver a lot when Hunter was doing something else or whatever. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a great coached game by both. I mean, I have so much respect for Texas Tech now. Like, I didn't watch a lot of them during the regular season, but getting to see them twice in person, like, damn, that that team is well coached and they play hard and they have a system and they are going places. I, I don't know. Go ahead. I was going to say, Dave, I don't know which defense I like better, Oregon's weird amoeba thing or what Texas Tech does, but they are both sexy as hell. Like watching them do what they do, like as somebody, like I've said, I think I said this on the pod before, but like as somebody who like a lot of like non Virginia media, so like people around the ACC or whatever, we'll say like, so can you, you know, this pack line thing, like how do you explain it? You know, and kind of trying to do that, I would love for somebody to explain to me, you know, how Oregon runs that amoeba thing, that weird matchup zone thing. Um, but watching Texas Tech do it for two, you know, I got I got to what what I get out there, Justin. Like most of I got most of the second half of that, yeah, that yeah. Michigan like, State game, and obviously yeah. this one, dude, it was nuts. I mean, what? And then watching these two teams do these incredibly different things, but have the same sort of like the same sort of drive in the way that they defended it, and yeah. then watching the offense execute against it, you know, like you know that I like in overtime that little pass to 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 guy on the dive, you know, like little things like that. I mean, it's just it was it, it 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 lived up to national title billing, regardless of whether or not you know the pace was this or the or the scoring was going to be that. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Dave, go ahead. I mean, the, it gave it up in the eight, you know, eighty five seventy seven, right? But it was what three to two at the first TV timeout, and right. the defense in that first segment was so incredible. It was if you love defensive bat, if you know basketball, that first five, the rest of the game was incredible too. But that first five minutes, I, I really thought both teams may not score twenty in the first half, and there was a part of me that thought how great that would be. Um, the the thing that kind of made me laugh, and it's been brought up on the podcast. I know it's one of Brad's big points, like make them match up with you, Tony. Well, he did. Yeah, he did. Tony, um, Texas Tech had to take Obiasi out and bring in Francis because Kihei, they thought they'd be able to take advantage of their size advantage with Kihei on the floor, and they couldn't. And then they made their little run, and then Tony brought in Braxton Key, and you know they got going a little bit, and they Tony brought in Braxton Key, took Mamani out, brought Key in. Um, so it was the those are two really good coaches. Uh, it's hard to say they're the best two in the game, but at their age, they're the best two. At, I wouldn't take any two or I wouldn't take anyone over Tony, but if I had to take someone, it'd probably be Chris Beard. Yeah. For like the next 20 years or whatever, assuming they don't like leave for the NBA. But yeah, I mean that team watching them against Michigan state, I was like, when they got down 10, I said, this game is over because they could not score. There was no way they were scoring. And I was like, they are just not going to be able to catch up. (laughs) It was not happening. Um, And I've seen that with UVA games too, but it was just like, damn, like we're going to be in for something on Monday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought they both schemed each other up really well, um, and did the best they can. And then it kind of comes down to shot making, right? I mean, yeah. both teams took a bunch of threes, Texas tech missed 20 of them. Uh, UVA went 11 for 24. I thought that was a big difference as well. Like you said, and then like, there weren't that many fouls. I mean, there was 33 total in the game between the two teams and that includes overtime and includes a lot of Texas tech fouling on purpose at the end. So just a, it was a clean game, not a ton of turnovers. I think it was 19 total between the two teams, and it just it, it it was everything that it could be, right? Yeah, I think if anything we've seen in the last few tournaments, um, and I can't remember if I've said this earlier in one of my rants, but I, I think you're seeing we're at a we're at a time where where system trumps players, right? Because um, there's so many so many of the elite teams get elite players, but they only stay for a year. So if you've got a good system, you're probably going to beat them if you've got guys to beat yeah. or around. It's like a knuckleball on it, honestly, for like, yeah. a, like a freshman one-and-done player who's never played against UVA and, and won't again, you know. But uh, the one thing I learned this tournament is you better make sure one of the players you have, if he's a three- or four-year guy, is someone who can handle the ball, read defenses, and either a, a Todd Jerome or a Mooney, 
<laughs> you better have one of those guys, right? Um, someone who's, you know, you've got to have your athletic guys. You've got to have your guys who can and make it happen in the games against teams that, that have those players. But if you don't have someone who, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, like someone who's cerebral and understands defenses, like Ty Jerome, <laughs> that was a master class in at least college level, if not NBA level point guard he put on in that game. Uh, he was he was reading the defense. Now, granted, he was getting some help from the bench, but the way he was manipulating Texas Tech's defense when they could figure out what they were doing, if they did the same thing back to back, they were. I would love to go back. I'm probably going to do a rewatch now. I'm talking just to see how many times that Virginia scored if Texas Tech did the same defense back to back. Yeah, he's so I, good with his eyes too. Like he like he gets these passes to the wing in part because he's like look not looking at them. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, he can kind of he basically can just fool them in that way and it, it gives him like an extra split second that he wouldn't otherwise be able to get. And even like in the Auburn game, this hasn't really gone down as hasn't been talked about, but just getting Kyle that pass that he got fouled on in the corner from where he was, it was very difficult considering like they knew that that was one of the things they were going to try to do and he still got it there easily. Yeah, he was incredible, and um, you know, the the pass to Dre to tie it, you know, running basically the same play where he missed a floater on the possession before, and just knowing he was going to get the guys to react, and and DeAndre Hunter like that second half was incredible, and then Kyle's second half against Auburn, um, and Purdue, I mean against Purdue, it's just so many individual performances, like you know, it, it's something that's been missing when they when they lose, but. Lord, it was, I don't, I'm trying to think, like, it felt like every bad thing that ever happened in Virginia got exercised in those six games. Um, yeah. I mean, they had, in two of those games, I sent you guys the stat, but um, according to ESPN, with 22 seconds left, well, let's go back to Oregon. With five minutes to go against Oregon, Oregon had a 60% chance, win, 60% win percentage. Um Five seconds ago, Purdue had a 91% chance to win it, according to ESPN. Auburn, with seven seconds ago, had 91.3. Um, and then Texas Tech, with 22 seconds ago, had a 75.6% chance to win. Virginia won every one of those games. Yeah. Um, they should I mean, they, they, trailed, <laughs> they trailed back-to-back games in huge pressure situations with less than one second left and won both. Like, yeah. how is that even possible? And it also, it's just like... I even even before the Texas Tech game, I I told Brad I said I think, you know, like even if they lose to Texas Tech, like just the 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 overwhelmingly positive emotion and feeling you got from the Auburn and Purdue games back to back had to trump the negative of UMBC. It just has to, um, you know, it, it like the 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 survive and advance feeling of those games. Like it has to be, it has to more than counteract how bad that loss was last year. The only easy game in this entire run was Oklahoma. I mean, Gardner Webb much just stepped on their throats and just like owned them their whole game basically. But it, yeah, I would like to game, tell every game was a challenge. I would like to tell my the the David who saw the Gardner Webb score down what fourteen or sixteen, whatever it was. Well, don't worry, your team's going to cut down the nets in a few weeks. <laughs> like, I would have liked to have known that in that moment of panic. Um, I mean, I had somebody, one of my friends, told me right after they came back and won, he was like, "They're going to win it all now." And yeah. I, I mean, he was being—he was just kidding, obviously, but yeah. he didn't know that. Um, but I was like, "Yeah, maybe this is what they had to do." But I don't exactly. know. I don't know if that really, like, I mean, they won the game. I don't know if that really like propelled them forward. No, but I don't think so. But it, it yeah, just—it was just crazy. Part, it was just part of the story. But yeah, it has I mean, to be a story, um, right? And if you look at the so the Purdue game, you had Kihei Tamamadi for the biggest play of the game. For Auburn, you had you know Kyle Guy, one shot for one wing, one shot and foul from the other, and then hitting three free throws, which was incredible. Um, and then Dre hitting a big shot against. So it was different dudes in each one too, and they looked as poised as they could be. You know, it, it never panicked. They just got it done. And oh. Man, it was, it's incredible. I, I I might take a weekend during, you know, we have the long stretch now. Normally, this is one of my saddest podcasts of the year, the after the last basketball game one, because it's so long before we get to actually talk about, you know, a game. It's it's a lot of the, the, <laughs> the what do we talk about this week podcast, Tom. Um, so we got some Tom. So I, I may pick a weekend when it gets slow and just watch the entire tournament again and just kind of relive it because it's. It was incredible. I'll never forget it. 
I uh, I have two things. One, I'm an idiot um, who can't read a stat sheet. Uh, everything I said about offense rebounds, pretend I didn't say. Yeah, I was like, I don't know where you're going. Yeah, with yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until yeah. the end, and then just, you can edit it. Just out. yeah, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. We're gonna leave it in there because uh, I don't care. It's my birthday. It's still my birthday week. I don't care. Um, so just pretend I was an idiot, and that entire thing is stricken from the record and never happened. Um, all right. The other thing I want to make mention of is Texas Tech had five dudes in double figures. When's the last time Virginia won a game where five with five dudes from the other team scored in double figures? Marshall, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, but you see my point? Like, it's absurd. And everything I think about those these last three games, I guess I, I always come back to it's just absurd. It's just so absurd that they won all three of them, you know, that they had to hit a shot late just to force overtime in two of those three games. And then in one of them, they literally had to go to the line with less than a second to go to win it. Like, it's not just that these things were close. It's not just that they had leads that they lost. It's that they, that it, it, it defies logic that Virginia was able to do, that any team could do this. And that is, it, that is the Virginia Cavaliers that I've been watching my whole life continue to have the football pulled from them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like all of those... All of those missteps and, and, and bad things that happened, you know, for every appendix and broken finger and broken wrist was all a down payment for this. And I'm having a hard time saying that it wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? Like th- this group was special. Um, you know, yeah, they- imagine if they had won in 2014. I don't know how we would have processed that. I mean, like if they had just that first year they were good, they had just won the title, which is basically what it would have been like if Texas Tech had won it this year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought about that the other day. I think this might have actually been the way it was supposed to happen. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to. And and by the by the time you people who have listened to this, you've read Ferber talking about uh, Tony's introductory press conference and stuff. And you know, between that and I went back and listened to the audio from not, from the UMBC game as well as the um, uh, preseason uh, presser, and so much of it is like right there. You know, it's just it. You, you go back and listen to it now, and it's like, oh, like, in. You're right. It, it just feels like this was the. It was their time, and I feel it's weird. I feel bad for Texas Tech because that is such a good team, and the fact that I feel bad for them is probably because I've lived through so many really just rough ways to lose games, and they. It's not like they lost through any fault of their own. They didn't screw anything up. You know, like they just ran up against a a. a a divine intervention buzzsaw title. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel bad for them, but I, I was, it's, they're almost where we were in 14, right? They were just a few years into this new thing. So in their mind, they're going to go back next year and get it. And they may, um, as a Virginia fan who understands there's a lot that can happen if you're on that close to the doorstep of getting to the final four versus the championship game, you know, it, it would probably hurt them more in retrospect than it does right now. But, um, Oh, was I gonna? I was gonna say something profound here, and then I realized it predated you guys. Um, you know, my entire life, and I'm sure you guys have heard the story, like the '98, the '90, uh, sorry, the 1983 NC State team, right? That won the national title, kind of the first alley oop, right? Like it's always talked about as the miraculous run to the title. This run trumps that run, and it's. Not, and I'm not saying it because I'm biased. If you go look at the games NC State played in that tournament. Now, granted, getting to the tournament was much harder then, and you had a guy named Ralph Sampson in that tournament, and Patrick Ewing was a freshman, I believe, then. Um, so they had some giants you know, that kind of stood in their way. But the way Virginia – Virginia basically had three of the final game that NC State and Jim Dalbano run around the court has been – Virginia had three of those, and two of them were just to get to overtime. Uh, where and, they continued to show up, and what and what it also too is think about like like think about these things stacking on top of each other, right? So you have the Purdue win, you're going to go to the Final Four, and then you're in that moment against Auburn, and they're getting down, and like the wheels come off, right? It's 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 Syracuse all over again, right? You're up ten five twenty one or whatever it was to go, and all of a sudden you're down, and it looks bleak, right? And then Kyle hits a three in the corner, and you're like, okay, well maybe they got a shot. You send the kid to the line, he makes. One, he misses the second, and you're like, okay, and then you're going to get a shot, and then he gets fouled, and he goes to the line, and he, I mean, like, all three of those free throws were so butter, it was ridiculous, right? 
So then you stack that on top. Now you're going to the championship game and everybody, like I did so many radio hits going into this thing and they all asked me some form of, que- some form of this question, which is, is the luck going to run out? And I said, well, look, it's either going to happen one of two ways. Either Virginia's going to get beat and everybody's going to say the luck ran out or Virginia's going to win and everybody's going to say the luck continued. And I was wrong because what ended up happening is Virginia won and it wasn't because of luck. It was because those dudes just went to work and they beat a really good team and it's exactly the way the thing is supposed to work. You know what I mean? Like, but think about the pressure that comes from knowing that that you got there because of this this one play, and then okay, you got there because you got these this foul call and you made these three free throws, and you and you you're in this game and you're now you're down by three. There's 15 seconds to go. What are you gonna do? And they executed perfectly. Like, what more could you ask for? You know, this is the, and they got to stop. And then yeah, and then they got to stop. No, well, and then two, they got really, two stops you because you yeah you you, block, you get the yeah. first one and. And then and then Braxton's block. I mean, it's 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 almost like we're going to continue to do podcasts where we struggle to find words to describe it. But I feel like there are so many people that are right there with us that 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 are probably shaking their heads in agreement. They didn't like my my stupid rebound point earlier, but um, <laughs> they, they agree with everything we're yeah. saying right now. I, I don't want to get back. You know, I don't want to drag this thing on for twenty more minutes. But um, I mean, the game was incredible. But I do think the emotional part is, is important just because of of how fractured the fan base was. You know, we, we've had a fractured fan base in regards to football for many years now, right? And that's starting to come back together a little bit. But basketball, the, the fan base have been together, and all of a sudden you have this postseason failure. Um, and you combine with that with the noise from the outside. There were Virginia fans, but they kind of bonded together during times of victory. But if there was a close game, there was still this kind of infighting, right? Um, that just disappeared, at least for a night or two. Um, and just complete unity. Like, you know, I've talked to so many old friends of Virginia fans who just were randomly texting everyone they knew to celebrate. Um, and messages and, and calls, it was, it was just so great. And the fact that the fact that it took this many years, like, it doesn't matter now. It, it's here. Like I'm over it all. Like I, I forgive Virginia for for losing in 1990 to Georgia Tech and you know, everything else that's ever bad has happened. It, it was all worth it now that it's here. And I envy the young kids that, who think this is the way Virginia is now. Um, well, they already thought that and, though, in a way, because yeah, they've only they did. they've only yeah, seen Virginia yeah. lose like 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 eight times. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So, I mean, I guess my point with that is like, what, is, what happens now? And I'm not going to be greedy. Like I'm a, if you'd have serious, if you'd have held a gun to my head and say, is Virginia going to win a national title in your lifetime? Um, if you're wrong, <laughs> I'll, 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 you know, I'll pull the trigger. I probably would have said no. Um, just because the math, doesn't, the the math doesn't look good, right? No, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. And now, you know, you go from, and it, this isn't to to move on. Like this year, I want this offseason to last as long as it can because there's going to be some changes and whatever. Um, but every year next year when we're, we're playing games, we're going to talk about the defending national champion, not the team that lost to the 16 seed. Might be the defending national champion who did lose to a 16, but they got to put that first part in, and that'll be better. Um, but now I think we'll, from, I think we won't hear much about the UMBC game anymore. No, we should. Except yeah. just just in the tournament stuff because it's a, an important part of the tournament history, and you know, and that is perfectly fine, right? Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. That's where it that's where it belongs now. Like that, it's not a part of UVA's story anymore going forward. It's it's something that happened, and and but you and, know the things that followed it, like it, it kind of makes it not really important anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure Virginia wins a national championship if they bow in the Sweet 16 last year. Um, and so I guess it, it is part of our story, and that's fine. But now, yeah. or maybe told- they could have won it all last year. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, if Dre didn't get hurt, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just the way it goes sometimes, right? I mean, yeah, you got to be able to just find it when you can. But it's just so funny how the math changes quickly. Like the fan, like it, it's great for all of us. And um, you know, a, a buddy of mine, I've just got to figure. I've got to want, want it to work this in, so I'm just going to randomly put it here. Um, a guy I've gotten to know through the sports stores, his name's Nick Short. I know he listens to the podcast. Uh, his brother, Stephen, passed away several years ago, well, a few years ago now, in, in a mountain bike accident. And I've gotten to know him through the store. We sponsor their golf tournament they do in his honor, in his brother's honor. And they have his shirt that was part of a softball tournament they did 
his brother always wore the Virginia bow tie and it's got a bow tie on the front of the t-shirt and I wore it for the first game and I've worn it literally every game this entire tournament and it hasn't been washed. Um, and I didn't tell him about it cause I, until right after the game and I'm never wearing that shirt again. And it was just a crazy moment, like little things like that. Like that was the kind of conversations I was having with people that I hadn't talked to about it. Um, him, he was just one of many. It's just one that stuck in my mind because the shirt was there. Um, and I can tell you from talking to my other friends, like they had the same conversations too. Like, you remember so-and-so? Yeah, he called me last night. Um, and it's, in, it's incredible for the fan base. But Tony Bennett deserves this too. Like, he's a great dude. And I, mean, I only know him from the outside, right? You know, having met him a couple times, but he and I don't play golf together or anything. Um, but just think about how the conversation of his career has changed because it was looking at how long he'd been in a program. And I brought it up on the podcast. Like there wasn't, a lot of guys who made their first final four after being in a program as long as Tony had. Um, so, it kind of, you know, so history wasn't on his side, but now he's won a championship at his program before some of the biggest names in the game. And he's in his forties. So, you know, what, what does the future hold for Virginia? And, and me, I, like still, there's still a little bit of Virginia fan to me. is like, I don't want to think about it because we probably don't deserve to have a 30 year run. Like, you know, Krzyzewski like run as far as longevity. Um, but it's certainly in the cards now. And that's a world I, I hope my young daughter who fan gets to enjoy. Um, and it's one I would like to enjoy until I'm in my seventies or eighties. Um, but for now, like I'm a happy guy <laughs> and I've got a lot of merchandise on the way. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. I thought like before the Auburn game and then before last night's game or two nights ago, wow, I'm really losing it. Um, just seeing all the like we talked about the former players, but just seeing like the UVA fans filing into the building and like how excited everybody was, like for, for just for the Auburn game, even like it, it was like going to the promised land. Like it was like you, you, it's like I always dreamed this day would happen and it happened. Like we're here now. Like no matter what happens, we're here. And then they win in dramatic fashion, right? And then they go to the final and it's like, whoa, now we're here. Like we ended the Monday. This is it. You know, you, we, me and Brad talked about it before the game. We walked into the arena, and I was like, we don't have any more games. Like, this is this is it, right? Like, the road ends here. <laughs> that signage is everywhere um, in the building. And and seeing, like, you know, Dick Bennett there, like, barely able to, like, control his emotions probably um, and, and how excited he was and all the former players and all the fans, like, losing their minds um, throughout the entire game and – all the I thought it was awesome. Like I mean, I know Dave didn't get to make it, but like all the people that they you know they went on Saturday and like everybody's like screw it, I gotta find a way to get there or like I gotta do something for the game or go to Charlottesville and watch the game and it's just something that you don't get to experience very often. I mean, you look at Maryland like they, they win a national championship. They thought that that was gonna elevate them to a different level and they didn't get back there. I think as long as Tony's at UVA, that won't be a problem. But you never know what's what's coming and. Um, you, you take these when you can get them and like, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. Like just being there, um, you know, just getting to see it. Like I always dreamed about going to a final four, but I thought it would be there to watch Duke, Michigan state, Kansas, and UCLA <laughs> or something. And just having UVA be like all on the screen there and hearing Jim Nance, you know, come over the PA system. You're like, Oh my God, this is actually this is real. real. And then yeah. watching them complete it, you know, it's just, it was, it was unbelievable. I'll, uh... The one thing I did say is I got this weird sense of calm on Monday and it was because, you know, I'd, I'd made such an effort to try to get there for the game and, and didn't work out. But I saw so many people who were. And to me, and I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is I wanted to kind of ask you guys because you were there, too. If you remember the 14 game in Greensboro, the ACC title game, like yeah. that was a team that, you know, we, Virginia wasn't, you know, that was going to be at best. Uh, I think Virginia was a couple point underdog maybe in that game. But it felt like it was their time, right? And it was because so many of the old Virginia, you know, so many fans were coming. There was so much belief. It just felt right. And that's what I started to feel seeing all those people go. And in my mind, that's what it felt like to be on the ground there this day, just in a much bigger spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I definitely felt that in 2014 because I, I was blown away by how many UVA fans were in Greensboro. Like, I couldn't believe it. Um, it was more than Duke fans. And they were louder. And I was like, what is happening? Like, this is something's happening. And, you know, there were way more UVA fans in the building on Monday than they were on Saturday. But 
Um, just like even Sunday night, like I'm at the bar and it's all UVA fans there and they're so freaking excited to be there. Like everybody's, you know, like I was with the one shining podcast guys, they were there and they were just getting mobbed like by UVA fans that are just like, thank you for appreciating us. (laughs) You know, like, um, just so happy to be there And Texas tech, you know, same thing for them. They had a ton of fans. They were awesome. Um, but it was, uh, it was their time. I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up on these two things. If you are somebody who like Dave wanted to try to get to this thing and you weren't able to get there. Trust me, everybody was there for you. There was, it was incredible to see that place packed the way it was. And that'll be an indelible memory for me too. Um, just the, just the, the hearing the who's in the state, in the national anthem. It was crazy. And, um, if they never get back there, if I never cover another one of these, you know, it'll, uh, I, I, I don't want, I, I don't want to say I won't care. I want to go back. I, I want to, I want this thing to be a dynasty. I want to, you know, I want everybody to experience it, but at the same token, man, this thing was perfect. This team was great. These kids are great. And, um, they really went out and, and they won the whole damn thing. It's un, unreal. And I would say the other thing, but I won't make it without crying, and I don't think that's going to make for good audio. So um, if you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows, uh, give us a rating and review. always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are somebody who found the pod, hasn't given us a look at the site, check us out, Um Right now we got a, a, a promo. Use the code UVA Champs. You can get... Um, basically to get the site free until uh, basketball season. Um, you can also check out, let's see, we got video from U.S. Bank Stadium with Ty Jerome talking about the title and how, you know, his emotions and everything after the game, um, which I thought was, you know, I thought Ty's had a heck of a week uh, in terms of his his uh, media savviness. Um, I've got a column up on the site with some specific moments over the past year that really stood out to me in the journey. And Ferber's got uh, a great long-form column breaking down some of the audio of the past as well. Um, which as you listen to this, you should have been able to read already. And if not, shame on you. Uh, we got more coming for you as I've got, I've, <laughs> I'm loaded up with video to, to roll out here. I've also got some more audio. We'll have a conversation with uh, Jason Williford, um, who's, you know, team in 95 didn't quite get there and talking about, you know, what this all meant for him. Um, and it's really cool to hear the emotion in his voice. Um, even though we're so basketball focused, there's still spring football right now. We I was in Charlottesville uh, as as I record this today, so you can check out notes from that as well as video of Bronco Minhall talking about spring ball to this point. So again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and what was an incredible season. Um, I want to thank Dave and Ferber even graciously of their time as always. I very very much appreciate it, and I want to thank you guys for being on the ride with me. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.